book of Jonah. Uh, we'll be a series of See Jonah through the book, and today it's See Jonah Sleep. And uh, before I say a word, we really had a tough, tough year with people struggling. I, I talked to uh, Patsy Matney yesterday and said uh, they really miss you guys. You know, I think Ralph is going through treatments, taking a toll, but... Uh, I told I told Patsy I said well I will let everybody know that uh, that you guys pass pass love on. So uh, let's look in our text, um, Jonah chapter one verses four through sixteen this morning. I ask you to stand in honor of our great God. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose, the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you, O Lord. Have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Let's pray. Father, we worship you. Whether we um, are where we prefer to be or not, Lord, we're... In your hand. And that's the best place to be. And I just pray Lord as we look at Jonah. That we might be reminded. Lord that you are there. And uh, I just ask for your spirit to continue to lead us. As we have sung to you. And as we have given to you. And Father as we have spent time on our focus being to you. May that continue as we look at your truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. David 
was busted on a drug charge. And he decided to go renegade instead of showing back up at court. So he knew he should be careful. But some time had elapsed and he really thought, you know, I've gotten away with this. Nobody knows where I am. So he went to a Cincinnati Reds ball game with his girlfriend. 30,000 people there. And would you know, the kiss cam pointed right in on David and his girlfriend. And you know what happened. Big smooch. Unfortunately, after the game, David was arrested. And his lawyer complained. He said, you know, how in the world? 30,000 people at a game and the camera goes directly toward my client and his girlfriend. And worst of all, his probation officer was also at the game. He forgot that he was on the run and that there were people looking for him. Our prophet Jonah, the man of God, he's on the run. God has called him to a specific task and he has run the other direction. He has run away from our God. And the pursuit of that, that, that run is, has left him in a place where he thinks nobody notices him. But boy, is he in for a big surprise. Reminds me in Hebrews 14, I mean 4.13, we are told nothing is hidden from God. That nothing is concealed. That he sees everything and that he knows where we are. And that one day we will give an account before him of our lives. So we look at Jonah. God said, go. He said, no. God said, share my message of forgiveness and hope and repentance to this people. He said, I am not going to do it, God. I am going to hightail it and go the opposite direction. And I want to look at this account uh, like a play with three scenes. And the first scene I want to look at we call, do not disturb don't disturb. <laughs> Look at verse 4. We see the, the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose, the ship threatened to break up. Man, I tell you, I'm a little prone to motion sickness anyway. So this scares me to death. <laughs> to, to think about this ship and this terrible storm where they think it's literally going to rip the ship apart. It, it had to be a horrifying time. Matter of fact, the Hebrew gives the picture that the Lord picked up a great wind and hurled it into the sea. And the sailors, matter of fact, that word translated sailors in Hebrew, it means old salt. These are seasoned sailors. They've seen some squalls, some great winds upon the water. This is not new to them, but it terrified them. It says in verse 5, they were afraid. They were terrified of this storm and that each guy cried out to his own God. I thought it was interesting here, you know, in, in the day now where we're told that, you know, all gods are really the same and there are no difference. And no matter who you worship or, or how you worship, it's all going the same direction. But these guys, although they came from different backgrounds and different cultures, they didn't see it that way. They were crying out to the gods that they grew up worshiping from their different homelands. 
They were terrified. They were scared. They, they cried out to their gods, help us, save us, rescue us. It made me think of a text in 1 Samuel twelve twenty one, where he says, Do not go after idols, for they are useless and they cannot rescue you. And, and so, as they screamed, the storm did not die down. But I want you to notice about old Jonah, where he is. As we read in the scripture, he says, he's on this ship, he's bound for this port. They're throwing things over the ship to lighten the load. But Jonah, it says Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. It's interesting, one commentator pointed out that in the Septuagint, it said where he went down below and was snoring. He was not worried about the storm. He was knocked out. Now, if anybody had been down there, they might have wondered how knocked out because they probably couldn't sleep. Sometimes Cindy reminds me that I snore and I tell her, I, don't, I didn't hear anything. But Jonah was, he was not worried about the storm. He was, a, he was asleep, and in that struggle, he, it says that the captain went down, and he talks to him. Verse 6, he says, how can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us, and we will perish, will not perish. So it says they cast lots, and it, it, it fell upon Jonah. It, it was Jonah's fault. The reason for this storm was because of his disobedience. And somewhere along the line, they discover, it doesn't go into detail and tell us how they discover that Jonah is on the run from God. That he is on the move away from God. You see, Jonah was a prophet. He was a religious guy. And he was interested in his own people. He was not interested in those who did not serve the living God. As a matter of fact. Especially as you thought about the Ninevites. They're an evil people. They don't deserve mercy. They don't deserve grace. They simply deserve to be wiped out God. By your judgment. And as he looked at these other pagans on the ship. Who obviously didn't know anything about the one true God. He didn't really care much about them either. He didn't want to spare them. Even if it meant that his own life. He would lose his own life. He was a stubborn prodigal prophet that was running the other direction now skip to scene two don't ask as we begin to read uh, we'll start there at verse 80 so they asked him who's responsible for making all this trouble all these questions what do you do where do you come from what is your country from what people are you he didn't want to answer these questions. He was running from God. He didn't want to tell them he was a prophet of God. We're witnesses whether we realize it or not. When we're following God and we're loving God. And our actions are consistent with our words. Well that's a great time to be a witness. But when we're on the run from God. It's not a great time to be a witness. It's a very convicting time. And Jonah, he didn't want to divulge the information of his identity 
or of his call. He wanted to hide. He he wanted to stay in the shadows. He didn't didn't want to come before the people and and reveal who he was and, and why he was there on this ship. That was not his intent. Matter of fact, it's really interesting. In verse 9, it's theologically correct. But it's also hypocritically accurate. Look at what he said. He said, I'm a Hebrew. Well, yeah, that's who you are. And then he says, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. It's theologically correct. I worship the Lord God. He made the land and the sea. But where is he? He's on the ship. He's on the sea. Trying to get away from the land God sent him to go to. He's not worshiping God. He's hightailing it away from God. He's running away from God instead of following him. There was an article in the Chicago Sun-Times a number of years ago. Of a lady named Nita Friedman. Who was 66 years old. Who was in a chase from the cops. She went through three counties. Finally, they managed to stop her. By placing a spike strip on the road that caused three of her tires to go flat. So she only went for a short distance on one tire before she finally stopped. But the amazing thing about this three-county chase was she never broke a traffic law in the chase. Nita never broke the speed limit. She even stopped and waited for a vehicle in front of her to make a left-hand turn. But she just kept continuing on in the chase. Keeping the laws. <laughs> Jonah was he, he was accurate theologically, but he was on the run. And God was after him in the midst of that run. It'd be interesting if we knew the details of how they knew that he was on the run. Verse 10 tells us that at some point he had revealed this to them. He had told them about the fact that he was running away from How do we run away from God? We run away from His call. Not from Him, but from serving Him. From following Him. From obeying Him. And that leads us to the third seed. Which is don't turn around. It's interesting here in verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked Him. What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us. You know, isn't it crazy that the reason he was on the run is because he didn't care about them, but they cared about him? The very people he didn't want to show compassion to, we see in this text, end up showing compassion to him. Notice what he says, verse 12. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah didn't care. They perished. He obviously didn't seem to care if he perished. Pick me up, throw me in the sea. But what did they do? They said, eh, you know, you're just some crazy foreigner anyway. We'll throw you in the sea. Like I said, it's so amazing to think they would show him compassion when he was compassionless. Verse 13, instead the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. 
They rode with all of their might and all of their strength, gave all of their effort up for a guy who did not care really about them. And then they cried out to the Lord. Man, they were so scared. They realized that this guy, he, he had hope. It was his God. Verse 14, they cried to the Lord, Lord, please do not let us die. For taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable. For killing an innocent man. For you O Lord. Have done as you. Pleased. Then they shook Jonah. And threw him overboard. And the raging sea. Grew. Calm. Jonah the prodigal. He was willing to. He was willing to end it all and to end any usefulness he would have for God. To take his life. So it is with the prodigal that runs from God. God has a mission for each of us. To glorify his name and to follow him. And when we run away from God, when we go the opposite direction, we miss a reward that he wants to give us. Not just the reward in the hereafter, but the reward here of serving and following him. It's a waste. And it was a waste in Jonah's life. But I want you to notice, even though this guy did not intend to show any compassion to these people, God used him anyway. Look at verse 16. At this the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And made vows to him. It's really interesting here. um, Because usually when we think about Jonah. We think about the great revival that took place in Nineveh. In that great city. But there were two revivals in the book of Jonah. There was a revival that happened here. Um, Actually, it it was an evangelistic meeting of, of these guys getting saved. And a vow being made before the Lord. Um. One Hebrew scholar wrote this way. The phrase could be understood. They promised to serve God. These are terms of conversion to Israel's religion and the recognition that Yahweh alone is the one true God. So these guys got converted right in the middle of the storm by a prodigal prophet that didn't even want to mention who he was and why he was there. But it wasn't about Jonah. It was about God. And so God got a hold of these guys' hearts, these old salty sailors. And change their hearts. And, and a, a revival, a renewal, conversion, a, a new life was begun in these guys. And guess what? Jonah missed it all. I mean, it's bad enough to miss one revival, but to miss two. It's bad enough to miss one incredible work that you say, God showed up, but to miss two. He missed it. God's moving in the hearts of these guys. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. He should be celebrating. He should be weeping. He should be dancing. He should be singing to God. And what's he doing? Throw me over the boat. 
Just throw me over the boat. God moved, and yet Jonah missed him. May we not miss God because we don't like the way he chooses to move. We don't like the way he chooses to, to bring forth his mercy and his grace. A couple of truths as I uh, wrap this message up. God's grace is revealed in Jonah. Even when Jonah was disobedient, God used his words for his glory. Sometimes we worry about, well, I'm not good enough. Or I don't talk fancy enough. Eloquent or whatever that is. Or, or I don't know enough. But God's enough. Our call is to go his direction. Our call is to follow his heart. Our call is to be in connection with his word and his voice. It's not completely up to how adequate I am. It's up to how willing I am to follow that call. God brought forth his glory even though this guy was wanting to go the other direction. He didn't want to be recognized and yet God moved. And then secondly, God's grace is displayed in that although Jonah is discarded by these sailors, he is not discarded by God. He's thrown in the water. And I don't think it took Jonah too long when he hit that cold water to think. This maybe wasn't the best idea. And of course we know he's swallowed by this big fish. You know, God's... And I know Jonah went through some tough times in this big fish, but I don't know. If it's me, I might have thought about maybe if we could, you know, he's God, you know, maybe a great white shark where, you know, we don't kill him, but he's got some bite marks just to remind him, you dummy, why did you do it this way? Why didn't you do it? But God, in what looked like the darkness, in the end, God had a plan. God was moving where Jonah thought, it's over. <laughs> a powerful message and journey was about to begin. And Jonah knew he was alive because, man, he could hear his heart beating all the way up here <laughs> from where he was in that dark time. God was there. Let's pray. Father, uh, I thank you. That you are with us, Lord. Even when we run away from you, you're there. And Father, you call us to come back, to turn to you. And Father, you don't need any of us to do your jobs and to draw people to you. But by your mercy and your grace, you allow each of us to be your servants and to follow you. And Father, we don't want to miss the blessing you have for us as your children. Father, open our hearts. Open our eyes. May we not be so stubborn like Jonah that we miss where you're working. And that we fight so hard against you because we don't understand what you're up to. That we miss you. And that we miss what you're doing. I pray for us as a church, Father. That we would be willing, Lord. To listen to you and your spirit as you speak to us and as you're trying to get our attention and teach us. And 
And um, Father, maybe there's a bunch of people here that feel like they've been thrown into a dark place and swallowed up, Lord. But you have a plan, Lord. We can trust you. We can turn to you. And I pray this morning that the Spirit of God would speak in that fashion. Our altar is always open, Lord. Maybe people need to come pray at the altar. Maybe others need to make a decision directly to you. Father, maybe there's somebody here who has never given their lives, their hearts to Jesus Christ, the only one that can forgive sin and to give us a new start, a new life that will last forever. It's just a matter, Father, of bowing the heart and, and just agreeing with God. Hey, I'm a sinner. I've missed, I've missed you, and I miss up, and I need to be forgiven. And Jesus is the only one able to do that because of the cross and what he finished there and enter my life, make me new. Father, I pray if there's someone here who's prayed that prayer, Lord, and see that they have been made new, would tell us, Father, uh, however we are to follow you, help us not run the wrong direction, but to run to you. You know what's going on in our lives, and we want to be open. And so in this time we call invitation or response. Father, I just pray our hearts would be open to your call. In Jesus' name, amen.